Man, are you excited to be here today? Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, where we joyfully anticipate good things every single weekend. We're those people, those crazy people who look for the good in others, who joyfully anticipate good things from a good God. We're those people of hope, and I hope you're catching those vibes from the people that were here this morning. Come on, anybody expecting something good today from the Word of God? Something good from life, from your God? Come on, we, be, we honestly believe that the best is still out in front of you. We really do. We believe the best is still out in front of us. And we are excited and expectant today that God still has good things in store for our future. I mean, he's been so faithful in the past to us. We've seen what he's done on the cross for us. We've seen him in our life even now. Sometimes we don't feel it just as strong as other times. But we're believing that God is going to be good into our future. Amen? Come on, if you're believing him to be good, give him a shout of praise today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, and thank you for what you're yet to do today. We are celebrating the most significant event in all of human history, and that's a pretty big statement, but I make it. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. It not only divided time in half, B.C., and AD. But Jesus made a way where there was no way to connect us back to our creator. And through his resurrection, he reconciled us to God our Father. He is a way maker, a promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. He's the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And because he went toe-to-toe, I mean, he went Full on, front to front, face to face, toe to toe with sin, death, and shame. He defeated them once and for all. That's once and for every single one of us. Today we celebrate this. We commemorate this as the most significant day in all of human history. We've been set free. We've been reconnected. And we have freedom and victory in Jesus' name. You know, you might not believe any of that. You might think, wow, this is a lot of holiday hype. Happy Easter. You know what I'm saying? But I want to assure you today, his resurrection is not fabricated fiction. We really believe that he died and he rose again. He defeated death, sin, and the grave. But he got up from the grave. Everybody say he rose. And it's a powerful picture of possibility for us today in 2021. What Jesus did is a powerful picture of possibility for you and for me in the story of our lives today. We believe in a relevant God who isn't just archaic and just old-fashioned and not interested in your life. We believe in a living God who meets you right where you're at, who speaks to you right where you're at, and today we're going to see that his resurrection ignites our faith to believe in God's ability to bring dead things in our lives back to life. His resurrection should cultivate a confidence in us to believe that if the grave couldn't hold Jesus down, our graves cannot hold us down. The things that have died in our lives will not hold us down. So today I want to encourage you, whatever is gripping you, whatever is sucking the life out of you, be it a relationship, be it a person, be it a tragedy, whatever is holding your hope hostage today, it has to bow its knee, it has to release its grip, it has to relinquish its authority when it's confronted with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Come on, today is your day of freedom. Tell your neighbor, today is your day of freedom. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, Romans 8, 11, it says you have access because the same spirit of resurrection spirit that lived in Christ, that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you today. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, you got resurrection power living in you. And Jesus, I believe he got up. 
He rose up as an example to inspire us to believe. You can get up too. Come on, tell your neighbor like you believe it. You can get up too. Whatever's beating you down, whatever's broken you inside, you can get up too. You can rise too. But today I want to challenge us, you know, not just to be inspired by the resurrection, but to learn from it, okay? Because we, we believe that there is a lot to get excited about, but there is also a lot that was executed by God that really we should learn from it. The Word of God, it's not just inspirational and sensational. It is, but it's not just that. It's also substantial and relevant to our everyday waking, breathing lives. And there's a lesson that I'd like to lift today from the resurrection that both inspires and informs us, and here it is. This is the phrase. You catch it? Here's our thesis. The resurrection of Jesus, it teaches us that our setbacks don't have to be setbacks. That our setbacks can be setups for rise-ups. I didn't call it a comeback. Tell your neighbor, don't call it a comeback. I said, our setbacks can be setups for come-ups, for rise-ups, because Jesus didn't come back the way he was. Jesus came up, he rose up, and he came better than he was when he went in the grave. See, Jesus didn't come back. He came up. And I'm believing that your life, you're not just going to come back from 2020 today. You're not just going to come back to church today. You're going to come up today. I would say, come up, rise up in Jesus' name. Yes. See, when Jesus, he went into the grave, he went in beaten, bloodied, bruised, battered. He came out of the grave, come on, healed, whole, empowered, and endowed with all authority in his hands. I mean, he came out of it better than he was when he went in it. Before he went in it, he couldn't do certain things. But he came out of his grave, out of the dead thing in his life, out of that dead relationship, better than he was before it died. And if you think about death and graves... When you go into a grave, when you have something in your life die, be it a marriage, a relationship, you're not supposed to come out better. Some people never come out at all. Some people stay in the grave forever. You're supposed to come out worse after a divorce. But Jesus decided that he wouldn't allow the grave to impact him like it did everybody else. Jesus was able to look at a tomb and say, everybody else went into one of you and stayed. But I'm not everybody else. Everybody else went into a tomb and stayed there. And we should be able to look into the tombs of our life. Whether it's a tomb of divorce, a tomb of heartbreak, a tomb of sickness, a tomb of depression, a tomb of a failing business after 2020, a tomb of a failing dead marriage, a tomb of a dead relationship with your parents, dead relationship with your kids. We should be able to look at every potential tomb in our life and say, other people went through you and they came out worse. But I'm getting ready to come up better. I'm getting ready to come out better. I'm not just coming out. I'm rising up. Get ready to see my life rise to the next level. Jesus doesn't just rescue you. He elevates you and empowers you. When you come out, you come out better, stronger, wiser, better off because of what you went through. And this is exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples in Luke 24. He's trying to help us see. Guys. Disciples of Jesus, you know, main men, our setbacks don't have to be setbacks. In Luke 24, we get to listen into a conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. It's a post-resurrection conversation. And after the resurrection, a bunch of Jesus' team are locked in a house 
isolated, living in fear, talking about Jesus in the privacy of their own homes. And Jesus shows up. He walks through the locked door without opening the door. And he invades them, right? He, he walks right, one of the gospel writers says, he walked right through the door. Because when you've been to the grave and back, you're able to get into places that other people stay locked out of. I mean, the brokenness, you're able to break through. After you've broken through some things, you know, bitterness doesn't hold on to you like it does everybody else. You come back stronger. You come back better. So he comes in the room with them, and they're surprised. They're startled. They're frightened. So he asks them, guys, disciples, people who are believers on Easter Sunday morning, why are you troubled? <laughs> and why is doubt rising in your mind? In one season, you are confident in my capacity. You were confident in my capability. You saw me make storms cease. And in Matthew 8, you marveled at me and made statements like, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey this God? What happened to you in 2020? What happened to you this year that is so shaking the stability of your faith that you are now locked up in hiding, questioning in one season what you were confident about in another season? And if we'll pause for a moment and be honest on this Easter Sunday. Anybody want to be honest beyond the suit? Beyond the beautiful dress? If we'll just be honest, come on, people, if we just be honest on this Easter Sunday, there's a type of trouble that will hit your life that will make you stop for a second and begin to question what you believe. Let's be honest. It's crazy that we believe a man, a God-man, went into the grave and rose again. It's just insane. And there are problems in your life. There are situations. I thought we were at Hope Church where people were real. Come on now. I was saying that the whole foundation of this lays on this one thing. And it's impossible. And it's insane. But we are those believers who actually believe. But sometimes you will hit a point of pain in your life. And you, if you don't shake yourself and come back to your spiritual senses, you'll be questioning whether or not what you believe is really solid ground to stand on. And whether this is a bunch of, you know, it's crazy stuff. But when you're in these moments of doubt, like Jesus' disciples, like Jesus' followers were, you got to remember who he is. God's character never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And not only do you have to remember who he is, you got to remember what you saw him do as a disciple. I mean, he had me reaching into baskets that never ran out of food as I was handing out an impossibility from a little boy's lunch. I mean, he walked on water to me when I was peeing my pants afraid in a boat. Remember that he's fighting for you even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him. You've got to fight the doubt. You've got to fight despair. You've got to fight to determine I've come too far from where I started with Jesus. And I couldn't believe that he brought me this far. I don't believe he showed me this much. I don't believe he's helped me this many times to just leave me. To just forsake me. What he started in me, no, no, no. He is faithful and just to finish it. So I don't feel it right now, but I believe he's faithful. So I don't, I'm afraid right now, but I believe he's faithful. I'm fearful right now, but I know he's faithful to finish what he started. That's what Jesus does. And right around Easter, I mean, of all the seasons of the year, Jesus sees doubt rising in his own disciples. This isn't the world that's doubting it. It's his own disciples that he's been telling about this 
from three years ago when they just started hanging out together. But he doesn't rebuke the doubt, does he? He actually helps his disciples deal with the doubt. He doesn't say the doubt's not real. He doesn't say it's not crazy to believe this. He doesn't ignore the fact that they're doubting. He helps them deal with the doubt, and he helps them get delivered from their doubts. Oh, man, I love this Jesus. He's not intimidated by your lack of faith. He's not intimidated by the fact that what you believe is a little bit crazy because he's the God of the impossible. He's the God of the crazy, illogical. He's the God who does the things. Nothing is too difficult for him. And when he does it, he, and he does it, he, he gets the fact that you're doubting. He just gets it. And I love Jesus because he sees the doubt, but he doesn't judge the doubt. And he teaches us how to handle people in our life who are dealing with doubt. There's people in this room dealing with doubt. There's a lot of people out there outside of this room dealing with doubt today. Because what we can do as believers, if we're not paying attention, is we can start to forget that your faith wasn't always on 10. And your faith on Monday isn't always on 10 like it is on Easter Sunday. But when you're in a 10 season and you come across somebody like in a 3 season, you got to make sure that you raise them without rebuking them. That you lift them without lowering them. we got to make sure we actually help people deal with their doubts without demeaning or demoralizing them. So many believers, let's be honest, you've ran into them, are judgment junkies. How can you say you don't believe in the resurrection? How could you not believe that for once? Jesus doesn't judgment junkie his own disciples. He's not mad at them. Jesus didn't admonish their doubt. He addressed the doubt. (laughs) He's not mad or intimidated because they don't believe. He wants to talk to them about it. He wants to help them. And when they didn't believe it, he showed them his scars. Luke 24, 40, he shows, it says, he shows them his hands and his feet, the places where the nails went through his body and attached him to a wooden cross just a few hours ago. That really happened. I mean, all of history agrees. That really happened. He showed them his scars from a previous season that he is no longer in. How do I help people with doubt? I show them the scars from a previous season that I've been set free from because of Jesus. What you actually believe in Jesus? Hey, no, I know it's crazy. All I know is I was blind. I was purposeless. I was wandering through life. But then I found Jesus, and he gave me a purpose. He opened my eyes, and I can see clearly. Let me show you the scars of blindness and the proof of my sight. Now I see. Hey, all I know is I was angry. I was ready to murder people. I had planned out murders in my mind. You, Pastor Nate? I'm telling you. Me. I was ready to kill people. I was an angry young man. And then Jesus, and he set me free. He gave me peace and compassion for the same people I wanted to kill, and I was stuck on forgiveness. I was empty. Then Jesus, and now I'm full. I was lost, Delena said. And then Jesus and hope, and now I'm found. I belong somewhere. I was broken. And then Jesus, and he made me whole. So Jesus helped them with their doubt by showing them his scars from a previous season that he had been set free from. Has anybody have some scars? Does anybody have some scars to say, Jesus set me free? I don't know about all this stuff, but I know I was lost, Jesus, and now I'm found. I was in bondage, Jesus, and he set me free. 
And I'm no longer angry. And I'm no longer wandering. And I'm no longer broken. And I'm no longer insecure. And I no longer lack confidence. Jesus came into my life. And now I'm secure. Now I know my identity. Now I know my purpose. Now I know what I'm here for. Now watch this. There's a difference between wounds and scars. Wounds are still bleeding. Wounds are still painful to the person who holds them. Wounds are still open to the possibility of being infected. Because when you get hurt, you're vulnerable to infection. Are you hearing me? When you get hurt, you're vulnerable to poison and infection. So when you deal with people who have a chronic case of cynicism, just know that you're dealing with people who got hurt but didn't get their wounds tended to. They didn't go to the corner of the boxing ring and get their wounds tended to. So the wound got infected, and now they're jaded. What are they jaded to? They're jaded to Jesus. They're jaded to Jesus' people. They're jaded to church. They're jaded to a cross. They're jaded to hope for humanity. They're jaded people because they had wounds that were never tended to. See, Jesus didn't have wounds. He had scars. But those scars, they should have been wounds. We're talking days after a resurrection, days after death. These scars should have been wounds because wounds don't heal that quickly. I said wounds don't heal that quickly. If you've watched NCIS, you know that dead people, their bodies stop healing. Dead people's wounds never heal. Dead people don't scar. Dead people decay with wounds still intact. Wounds are not supposed to heal that quickly or period at all when you're looking at a dead man in a grave. But you can't make assumptions about what's going to happen with you based on what happens with everybody else. Wounds don't heal that fast, Pastor. No, your wounds don't heal that fast. I serve a God who can accelerate your healing process. I serve a God who can favor you through the pain faster than you can get through it. And people who saw you get hurt are looking at you asking, what is this fake? What is this Jesus? Are you mad? Aren't you mad? No, I'm not mad at all. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. I forgave them. I'm set free. Are you sure you're not mad? No, I'm happy, man. Mad at what? I've moved on. No, no, no. You must be faking it, Jesus. If you're Jesus, Thomas said, show me your wounds. Thomas said, if you're really Jesus... Let me touch that hole in your side and the handprints, the, the holes in your hands. Let me see the scars. I want to see it with my own eyes. If you're Jesus, show me that you went through that pain. And he rolls up his sleeves and he shows them, not his wounds, his scars. Because scars are the evidence of healing from a previous season because of what Jesus has the power to do in your life. You want evidence? You want to know that Jesus is real? You want to know that Jesus has resurrection power? I was dead in sin, broken, busted, and disgusted. And then Jesus, and now I'm free, and I'm alive, and I'm whole, and I'm healed. Come on, evidence in the scars. And he shows the scars to the same people who saw him in his old season. Because sometimes we don't want people to see us on our cross. We don't want anybody to know. Are suffering seasons, but God wants some people to see you in two seasons, 
to share your story in two seasons. The last time they saw him, he was weak. He was dehydrated. He was humiliated. He was stripped naked. He was hanging on a cross and going through hell. Now they see him, and he has a glorified body. Now they see him, and all power is in his hands. Now they see him, and he can walk through locked doors. Now they see him, and he's able to ascend to the Father. His wounds are completely healed because his transformation was an instrumentation that God used as a confirmation of God's ability to do anything for anybody in any season of their life. Transformation, confirmation, that's what it is. Jesus, you get to see. He's saying, you get to see. This is a confirmation of my new body, of my new reality. I'm not bitter. I'm better. I'm not broken. I'm healed. I'm not dead. I am alive. And sometimes God, he lets you see. He lets people see you in two seasons. Your struggle season and your success season. Because he wants them to see the miraculous nature of your transformation in Christ. He said, I want them to see you at your worst. And I want those same people to see you as a whole new creation. I didn't say a better version of you. I didn't say you 2.0. I said a brand new creation. I don't recognize you. I don't recognize. Let your scars speak of his saving power to the doubters in your life. Without judgment, only joy, only anticipation, saying, I believe. He did it for me. He can do it for you. Amen. <laughs> Preaching to you this morning. So he shows himself to the disciples, and then he says to them, now this is what I was trying to tell you in verse 44. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me. He's saying, you have no idea. Guys, this was all written. I know I talked to you about it a lot before I died, but this was all part of the plan. God showed us that this was going to happen before it happened. The plan was built from before the foundations of the world. So the grave wasn't in the way of my purpose. So when that thing died in my life, it wasn't in the way of my purpose. The grave was actually a path to my purpose. So that thing you're mad at God for letting happen in your life wasn't in the way of your purpose. It was actually the path to your purpose. The grave didn't pause me from getting where I was going. The grave propelled me into my destiny. It was the only way I could get there. The grave didn't slow me down. It sped me up. As a matter of fact, I would have never got to where I was going had it not been for the grave. Had it not been for the dead relationship. Had it not been for the betrayal. Had it not been for the dead first business. He's saying, so the thing that you actually thought was in the way was actually the way. And the thing that you thought was a setback in life wasn't even a setback. It was a setup for your rise up, for your come up. He said, I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for the grave. And now I'm thanking Jesus for the people who left me. And now I'm thanking Jesus for the people who betrayed me. And now I'm thanking Jesus for the things that didn't go the way I wanted them to go because I'm realizing it's a setup for my come up. Anybody in here this morning? And what everybody else is mad at God for letting happen, I'm thanking God for letting it happen. And where everybody else is better, I'm coming out bitter, I'm coming out better. Come on now. Bitter with God, mad at God, angry at God. Are you, are you serious? Are you sure? Because he works all things together. 
You know, guys, the thing my friend Peter, you know, our guy, our guy Peter, he tried to keep me from going through was actually the thing that I needed to go through to be who I was called to be and to do what I've been here, planted, sent here to do. He's saying this wasn't a setback. My death wasn't a setback. It was a setup for my rise up. And if, it's, if this is the reality for Jesus, it's the reality for you and me today in 2021. That there are some things that we're calling setbacks that don't have to be setbacks when the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me. It doesn't have to be a setback. They can be setups for my rise up. And I want to warn you today, I want to employ you today, be careful what you call it when it happens to you. Be careful who you get mad at when you feel unjustly dealt with in life. So be careful what you say when it happens not your way. If you say that thing ruined my life, guess what you just did? You just assigned power to that one season to ruin your life for many more seasons. When really the only power that that season has is the power of your past. And I don't know about you, but the power of my past is pathetic compared to the power of the Spirit of God for my future. Come on, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to bring you into fullness of life. I came that you might be set free and experience life fully. And my future has way more power. I will not give it to my past. Past will not hold me back from what he has in my future. So if you say, I'll never be able to recover from this, it is what you call it. That's what it'll be. But it's not the truth. I'm going to tell you something. You might not like it, but I'm going to tell you. The truth is, you're unwilling to keep fighting a fight that you don't think you can win. And here's why. Because nobody beats the fight against death, Pastor. Nobody beats the fight against death, really. Everyone succumbs to death. Plants succumb to death. <laughs> People succumb to death. But I want to tell you, Jesus defeated death. Because he's willing to see it differently. He was willing to call his grave out differently. He said before he died with confidence, I'm going to be buried, and within three days, I'm going to raise back to life. He spoke it into existence, and he saw it differently. How do you see your graves? Because Jesus wouldn't give in to the grave. But if you will, if you let it, it will bury you if you let it. And most people don't want to hear this because they want a pity party for their bad lot in life. They want to blame everybody else as a victim of their bright future. But people of hope rise up and say, it doesn't have to be a setback. It can be a come up. Come on, it doesn't have to bury me. I can rise again. And if you will get enough gall, nerve, and audacity this Easter to say and look at the grave the way Jesus looked at his grave, you can look at your situation square in the face today and say, nobody else came back at my age, but I am not everybody else. I don't care who hasn't recovered. I don't care who hasn't recovered from this. I'm getting ready to come up in 2021 anyways. I'm getting ready to come out. I'm getting ready to be better and not bitter in Jesus' name. I'm saying today, I'm getting ready to recover. I'm getting ready for a resurrection in my life. I'm getting ready to rise above. They say you're a woman, rise up anyways. They say you're at a disadvantage, rise up anyways. They say you're too old, rise up anyways. They say you got the wrong skin color, rise up anyways. They say the debt will drown you, rise up anyways. They say this kind of pain is permanent, rise up anyways. Come on, rise up anyways. They say divorce will delay your life forever. Rise up anyways. 
Do you have enough faith to fight the grave? To fight the fight of faith. To fight the good fight of faith on Easter morning. Believing anyways. They say it's impossible. Yes, it is impossible for people to raise from the dead. But it happened anyways. They say it's impossible for your wounds to heal that fast. But it happened anyways. They say it'll take you years to get out of debt. But one touch of God's favor, it can happen anyways. We don't serve the God of logic. We serve the God who lifts you above what's normal. It's a supernatural God. And here it is. Do you have enough faith to fight your circumstances? Because I want to be honest with you. You are where you are. In 2021, coming out of a pandemic, you are right where you are. Jesus shouldn't have been in the grave, but he was. Come on. It wasn't fair, but Jesus was there anyways. If anybody should have gone to the grave, if anybody should have gone through the cross, it shouldn't have been Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, but he was there anyways. I want to tell you, you are where you are, right? You are where you are. And you can either be full of excuses like everybody else, or you can execute and rise up like Jesus anyways. You can either try to do what everybody else does, which is figure out a way to work around your weakness, to figure out a way to work around the reason you got divorced the first time, to figure out a way to work around it for the rest of your life, or you can face it and rise up right up in front of it anyway. See, Jesus told Peter, if I wanted to work around this, I could have. He said, if I wanted to, I could have called for legions of angels to come and bail me out from the cross and the resurrection. But I didn't do it. I could have prevented it altogether, but I chose not to. I persevered instead. And I beat it. I went right after that thing. He's like, I conquered it. And now I make evil work for me. He said, I'll take what the enemy sent for absolute harm to destroy my life, and I will make what he sent for me work for me instead. Work for my good instead. And he says, I'll make it work for me. I'll put my hand on it and say, you work for me now, abuse. You work for me now, lies spoken over me as a child. You work for me now dysfunctional relationships you work for me now he'll take the heartbreak that came into your life and say you work for me now he'll take the disappointment in your despair and he'll say you work for me depression I'm going to make you work for my good I'm going to take what was intended to destroy and delay my destiny and I'm going to make them stronger with it I'm going to make them wiser because of it I'm going to make them better I'm going to give them a burden because they've been broken too I love our God because he never backs down from a fight. And he doesn't figure out a way to work around his weakness for the rest of his life. He says, I'm going to face my weakness. And I'm going to beat this thing. I want to beat death. I want to beat sin. It's everybody, everybody succumbs to sin, not Jesus. Everybody who dies stays in the grave, not Jesus. I'm going to face it anyway. He sees opportunities where everybody else sees obstacles. He sees dominion. Where everybody else sees destruction in their lives. He sees possibilities in the face of impossibilities. He sees deliverance in the face of death. Come on. He sees a way where everyone else sees there is no way. 
I love Jesus because he faced off with death and sin, and not only did he fight it, he finished the fight. He's a finisher. He's an author, and he's a finisher. And he said to Telestai, which means it is finished. Everything is on this cross. Everything dies today. Every piece of guilt, every piece of shame, every piece of condemnation, every shortcoming dies today. It is finished. And he took the worst day of his life. You remember the worst day of your life when you signed the divorce papers? You remember the worst day of your life when you lost that child? You remember the worst day of your life? He took the worst day of his life on that cross, and he made it the best day of his life. And these people are loud. They're passionate. Yes! Because I'm not speaking to some unrealistic, ethereal kind of garbage to put in your pocket and put around your neck. I'm talking about a reality in Jesus that gives you victory in your day-to-day life, and that excites me because you don't have to stay stuck forever. That excites me because you can be free indeed. That excites me because this affects real life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He took the worst, and he made it the best. He, He said, I didn't cause it in your life, but I'm about to redeem it. See, I didn't cause it, but I'm about to restore you through it. And I'm going to use it. And I'm going to bring something out of it that you could have never brought had I not put my hand of grace upon it. Because when I put my hand on it, it goes from destruction to development. I take you from this level of glory to this level of glory. From this strength to this strength. From glory to glory. I take destruction, goriness, and I transform it into development. It's going to shift your life. Jesus changes everything. See, they tried to kill Jesus because he was changing everything. They actually thought he was going to take over the Roman government. That's Palm Sunday is all about. That's why the people that hung him on a cross were saying, Hail Jesus, King, 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 forever on Palm Sunday, just seven days later. Because they thought he was going to take over the Roman oppressors. Because Jesus was growing in influence. Jesus was growing in power and might. His miracles and his power was unlike any other person or prophet they'd ever seen before. So they wanted to kill him because they were threatened by him before the resurrection. But 1 Corinthians 2.8 says, if they had known what they were doing, they would have left Jesus alone. They would have done everything they could to keep him off that cross. Because the Jesus that came up out of the grave, came up out of the grave with so much more power, so much more capacity, so much more things. He said if the enemy knew what he was doing, he would have never touched that resurrection spirit that was dormant in Jesus until they killed him. And I came to tell you in 2020 today, 2021, here we are, getting through that year. If he had known what he was doing last year, he would have never put you through what he put you through. He would have never put your family through what he put your family through. The worst mistake of his life was sending you through the worst season of your life. Because you're getting ready to come out of this season. Anybody believing today? With power you didn't have when you went into it. We're coming out stronger. Come on now. We're coming out wiser. We're coming out greater. It's because Jesus decided how to use his grave. Now, this is my question for you. If you've got a grave, if you've got a dead thing in your life, what are you going to call it? What are you going to do with your dead places? Where are, where are you? You are where you are. <laughs> what happened to you as a kid, it happened to you. You are where you are. Your marriage is where it's at. Your account says what it says. You're in the grave, but it doesn't have to be a setback. It can be a come up. But the question is, are you willing to fight and rise up? Rise up anyways. 
Will you let the grave bury you, or will you have this righteous resilience come upon you Easter Sunday and say, man, I'm righteously resilient. That says, this thing will not set me back forever. I'm not going around this thing, this, this vice in my life. I'm attacking this thing head on today. I'm not avoiding. I'm going to make an avenue in the wilderness. I love Isaiah 43, 17. It says this. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. Not only is that impossible, it speaks to the fact that he faces things head on. He faces impossibilities head on. Who carves a path through pounding waves. Ever tried to carve a path through pounding waves? Any surfers? Forget about what's happened, he says. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Live in the present. I'm about, come on, Easter. Live in the present. Live in the now. Don't let your past control you. Live in the present. I'm about to do something brand new. You're about to become a brand new creation. It's bursting out. It's bursting out of the grave. It's bursting out of the rocks. It's bursting out of your brokenness. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is, he says. I'll make a road right through the desert. Rivers in the dry and barren places of your life. He looks at the most desolate places in your life and he says, what looks like the worst, I can make it the best for you. Debt is overwhelming you, crashing into you, wave after wave after wave. He says, I make paths in the pounding of waves, bill after bill, situation after situation, setback after setback. I make a path in the blindingness. You're not going to drown in debt. You're going to path through the pounding of waves. Your relationships look like a desert. Your relationships look like a barren place, all dried up. Death and disappointment surround you and your family and your coworkers. You're in a desert. You're in a dry place relationally. He faces it and he says, I can make a river run through your relationships, through your dead and dry and drowned out relationships. I can bring something back to life in a desert. I want to ask you, what do you see? What are you saying? Because if you say that thing ruined my life, you just let it ruin your life. And if you say this season isn't sovereign, my Savior is. If you say that thing ruined your life, you're saying, you know what? My season is sovereign. My Savior isn't. You're saying my life is beyond redemption. You're saying God has limited power to do something in my future because of what my past says. If you're saying you're too old, you need to stop reading about Sarah in the Old Testament who got pregnant at the age of 100. Why do you think that's in the Bible so all the old people try to have babies? It, it, no, believe me, he's not trying to get old people to have babies. It's not for us to get pregnant at an old age. He put that in the Bible to show us that God can birth things through you in seasons of your life where other people can't reproduce, aren't supposed to reproduce. Doesn't happen after menopause. Reproduce. He put that in the Bible to show us. Come on now. I just got a witness right here. It doesn't happen after menopause. Come on. I'm telling you. He put that there to show us that you can be fruitful when other people can't. When, when, when nature says you can't. When everything is telling you it's dead. It's not going to work. You can't do it. It's saying you can do this. Sarah had looked at every other old woman around her and based what God would do with her off of what happened to them. She would have missed her miracle. If Jesus looked at every other grave and based his future off what everybody else ever did, he would have missed his miracle. She would have missed it. 
But just because God hasn't done it with others doesn't mean God doesn't want to do it with you. Come on, you can do this. Everybody say, I can do this. Are you going to rise up anyways? Are you willing to fight the tendency of your grave to be your final resting point? Are you going to let the grave be bigger than God's grace today? Easter Sunday is all about the grace of God. You're saved by grace, through faith. It's a gift of his righteousness, lest anybody could boast about it. Anybody could taunt it or flaunt it. What you might not understand is when you give your life to Jesus by faith, you don't just fight the grave by your own grit and determination and your bootstrap Christianity. No, you're fighting the grave according to the power of his grace at work within you. According to the power of his grace at work within you. I'm not talking about grit. I'm not talking about man, nature, human grit and tenacity. I'm talking about God's grace today. I'm talking about the grace that overcomes the grave. His great gift of grace empowers you to rise up in the impossibilities. As a matter of fact, it's impossible for dead people to rise back to life, but not without the grace of God. The grace transcends your grit. I'm asking you today, God's grace, is it enough for you? His supernatural strength, his supernatural help, the gift with a lift on Easter Sunday, is it enough for you? You can't fight. You can't step into the ring against dead things in your life without having a corner in your life. I use the analogy of a boxer as we close today. And I'm not judging you. I love you. I'm glad you're here today. But some of you, you can't come out of the tomb because you don't know when you go to the corner, your corner is church. Your corner is the spirit of God speaking to you. On the weekends, I'm telling you what, you heard Delina. She had no corner. She had no corner. She had no corner. She didn't belong. She was lost. She she came to Jesus. She experienced Hope Church. And then she said, I belong here. This is my corner. These people are for me, not against me. They're lifting me. They're not pushing me down. God's spirit is here. His presence is here. I, I can do this now. I'm no longer alone. There's a power in community. There's a power in corner. There's a power in the local church that Jesus said, I will give my life to build this local church, and nothing will stop me from building the local church. See, (laughs) you just fight, and you fight, and you fight, but without a corner, it's really hard to keep winning in life. Every good boxer knows when it's time to go to the corner, I don't have to go to the corner. Like, oh, shoot, they, wrote, they rung the bell again. Third, third period, third, third quarter, third round, whatever. Third round, now, now I have to go to the corner. Uh-uh-uh. He's like, now I get to go to the corner. I'm excited about going to the corner on Sundays. I'm excited about getting in community on Sunday. I'm excited about getting community during the week. I, I don't have to go to the corner in a ring, in a boxing match. I get to go to the corner and take a breather. Because when you go to the corner, you get your wounds tended to. That cut above your eye that you took from whatever thing that you're fighting with, you get it, you get it patched up, oiled up, greased up, whatever they do, and they, they slap it and lick it and stick it. <laughs> they say, you got this, champ. When you go to the corner, the bleeding can stop. When you go to the corner, a trainer called the Holy Spirit can come and whisper in your ear and remind you, you're better than him. You've trained for this moment. We woke up early in the morning for this moment. He can remind you, hey son, hey daughter, you have resurrection life coursing through your veins. 
I prepared you for this. I saw this coming. You've been built for this battle. You're faster than him. This is not greater than you, but greater is he that is in you than the one that's standing in front of you. And the Holy Spirit can say, guess what? I'm not, I'm not blind. I'm not dumb. I know you want to quit on life. I know you want to quit in life, but you've got one more round in you. And you will not get that encouragement unless you find your corner. If you keep plowing through rounds and staying out here, I'm good. I got it by myself. Guess what? You're going to get your, your kicked, okay? You're just going to get kicked in the face with some boxing gloves. But if you come to the corner, we can revive you. We can refresh you. We won't give you dead religion. We'll give you a living relationship here at Hope Church. We will never push you down and condemn you. We'll call you up and say, you got this. You got one. You get back out there and you fight. You rise up and you fight like I showed my son to you. You rise and fight like Jesus fought death. You go face on, head on. Don't ignore your problems. Go after them. Don't ignore your weakness. You got this. You're fighting the good fight of faith, not just to fight, but to win and experience breakthrough and experience victory. Who says, I can get through this today. What's haunted and taunted me my whole life will not haunt me and taunt me the rest of my future. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is his word over your life. Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, he says, I shall condemn it for you. Though your enemies rise against you one way, they will flee from your direction in seven different ways. You stand, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Fight the good fight of faith. You're not here just to survive this fight, but to thrive in this fight, people of hope. you got another round in you, and you can do this. And when you say, I want to quit, he says, you can't quit. Resurrection power does not lose. It works if you work it. Ah! Well, they're better than me. No, they're not. I see their weakness. They keep leaving their left side open. They're slow to their right. You got them, champ. Tell your neighbor, you got them, champ. You got them, champ. Come on, corner, work it today. Tell them, you got it, champ. Come on, corner. Come on, community, work it today. Tell the neighbor, you got it, champ. We are for you. We're coming around you. The Spirit of God, He's wanting you to win in life. And God brought you to the corner of Hope Church today on an Easter Sunday morning to tell you, you got another round in you. Don't you give up. Rise up. Because if God be for you, He is more than the world against you. He is for you. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. If you receive it today, give Him a shout of praise like, yes. I know you feel like God's abandoned you in places, but he hasn't. He abandoned his son on the cross. His son said, why have you forsaken me? He did. He said, so I can accept, so I can receive every one of them. He was forsaken. You've been accepted. Jesus was rejected so you could be fully accepted. He says, come as you are. Don't fix it up, paint it up, get it right, get it beautiful to come to me. Come as you are, and I will love you too much to leave you that way. I will bring in you, creating you from the inside out, a beauty that you've never had about your life. Today, Jesus is here for you. Today, Jesus is painting beautiful pictures with your scars and your story and your life. He is more for you than the world against you. Oftentimes, people think God is out to get them. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of disappointment. He's just so mad at you. It's just, nothing could be further from the truth. He loves you. 
I want to tell you this morning, you are just right for his son, Jesus. No matter where you've been, where, what you've done, where you've gone, you don't have to clean it up. There is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You come to Jesus, he takes all your sin, all your mistakes, all your shortcomings, and he says, I got you right here. I receive you right here. I accept you right where you're at. Now let me lead you. Let me love you. Let me take you into a life that is higher than you. By my grace, I can save you. I can rescue you. Today, maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus, but you've walked away from it. You thought he was letting bad things happen in your life. You got mad at him. I don't know what it was. I want to tell you, he's not using that thing to crush you. He's using that thing to call you higher, to speak of his power, his transforming life, to give you a confirmation of his transformation in your life. He's not against you. He's not some psychotic person looking to control you to steal from you, to rob from your life, and to keep you all prude and ugly and normal and just like, ah, no, it's not Jesus. He said, I came. There's a thief that came to kill, steal, destroy. I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. I came to set you free, not to control you. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what you've heard about me. I liberate people. I empower people. I elevate people. I take people out of their brokenness, and I bring them to healing. That's who I am.